only 20%. Somebody say 20%. Say it again. This is a staggering statistic. Only 20% of Americans under 30, under 30 years of age, believe that attending a church is important or worthwhile. 20%. That statistic is at an all-time low. You say, why would you open up your service with that type of statistic? Because the young people in this generation need to understand that there's power in the local church. Now, I could go on the negative side just real quick because I could tell you 80% of Americans under the age of 30 believe that attending a church is not important. Some people look at our church and they go, well, why, why do you guys do the lights and all this kind of stuff? And sometimes the fog machine works and sometimes it don't. Right? But why do you do that? Why is the room just not all the fluorescent lights on and all that kind of stuff? Because we're just trying to change up methods so that we reach people for Jesus. We just want to reach people. And I know if, if I have to make the room just a little bit darker to reach a younger person, I'm going to make the room a little bit darker. And I'm going to get over it. Because it may not be how I like it, but it's how they like it. Right? My message, I promise you, will never change. But the methods of the local church will. And they should because there's people that are leaving the local church. 59% of millennials... Let's talk about millennials for a minute. If you don't know what a millennial is, ages 22 to 37. If you're age 22 to 37 right now, raise your hand. Golly. 59% of millennials raised in a church have dropped out. Gone. Done. We've got to reach some people. 35% of millennials have an anti-church stance, believing that the church does more harm than it does good. Why? You have to understand the mindset of a millennial to get the statistics. Because the church, the average church is inward focused. Millennials don't like to be inward focused. They want a cause. They want to do something. They want to get out and, and that's, why, that's why you see all these millennials out protesting in the streets. Why can't we get these people fired up for Jesus and telling people about Jesus in the streets? Come on now. Right? And I'm talking about people from 22 to age 22 to 37. If you're not fit in that, I don't even fit in that. I'm older than that. Praise God. I'm 38. Right? I'm like, so I'm not a millennial? Yes! That's what I'm talking about. But 63% of millennials do not attend church. Do not attend church. They're not going to church. And here's another staggering statistic. 51% of church attendees, people who do attend church in America, attend church on an average of one time per week or per month. One time. Guys, you're going to hear a sermon today about the power of the local church. We've talked about the power of prayer. We've talked about the power of, uh, of the Bible. We've talked about the power of worship. But let's just talk about the power of the church. The church has power. 
According to that last statistic, nearly half of America is unchurched. And we have empty church buildings all over the place. Why? Because we're not doing something to reach people. I don't know what it is. I don't know if we're inward focused. I don't know what it is, but thank God for you. I thank God that I'm part of a church who is active in the community. I thank God that I'm part of a church that it's not about us four and no more. That we're trying to reach more and more and more people and we'll never be satisfied. I'm so glad that I'm part of that church. So glad. So glad. Because what is tolerated in one generation will be accepted in the next. And I want to tell you something. I'm, I'm looking for a remnant of believers that won't tolerate statistics. That won't tolerate people not wanting to come to church. That will make church a fun place. A place where people will look forward to coming each and every week. How many of you look forward to coming to church every week? Come on. You look forward to it. Look at all the hands. I want to tell you, a lot of people may say, I don't want to go. I sat in a group of pastors this week and they said, look, to be honest, I wouldn't invite anybody to my church. Now that's a tough statement. I literally had a pastor say, I'll tell you why our church is not growing. Because I wouldn't even want to invite people to my church. We do nothing. It's like the lady that looked at her son one day and she said, son, get up. You're late for church. He replied, he said, I don't want to go to church. I don't have any friends at church. The music is terrible at the church. And the sermons are boring. The woman said, son, I said, get up. You have to go. You are the pastor of the church. <laughs> You're the pastor. You have to get up. Let's not make our worship boring. Our worship be, should be exuberant before God. Let's not make the preaching boring. This is alive and powerful. Right? Let's not come in and sit in the pew or in the seat like knocks on the law. Get up and shake somebody's hand and tell them how, it, it, how good it is to see them in the house of the Lord this morning. Let's create an atmosphere where when lost people come into the church, they're more apt to give their life to Christ because of what they just experienced. They don't experience a judgmental spirit. Oh, you got tattoos? Oh, I know who you are. You used to be married to so-and-so. Let's don't create an atmosphere like that. Let's create an atmosphere of grace and love and truth. The truth is people have excuses. They have excuses. Here are some of the top excuses of why people don't attend church. Number one, I don't feel like it. I'll be honest with you. There's been times I didn't feel like going to work. When's the last time you didn't go to work because you didn't feel like it? Come on now. Talk to me. There's a lot of times on Sunday mornings that we probably don't feel like coming to church. Heck, I'll go ahead and be raw and honest with you today. There's a lot of Sunday mornings that I get up and don't want to go to church. Maybe my, maybe my day wasn't good on Saturday. Maybe because I'm a preacher, I don't have good days every day. But when I get here... Oh my goodness. Another excuse is I just don't fit in. Or I'm too tired. I, I've just, I've worked all week. I've, I've just worked all week. Well, come to the house of the Lord and get refreshed in the name of Jesus. 
Well, that church down there is just full of hypocrites. Well, probably so. Right? But you even making that statement, you're a hypocrite. Because you're judging them just like they're judging you. Come on now. There's too many people down there. I feel uncomfortable. I'm not good enough to go to church. Or it's like one guy said, he said, I can't go to church. The guy said, why can't you? He said, because both of my girlfriends go to that church. Huh? <laughs> like, well, okay, that's a good excuse. God bless you. That's good. You better not show up. That's why we have multiple services, right? Hey, girl, how you doing? Meet you at the 9 o'clock service. How you doing? I'll be at the 12. I sleep in. I'll be at the 1230. Right? And then you have some that make a statement like this. I don't have to go to church to get to heaven. To which the pastor would say, you're right. You don't have to go to church to get to heaven. You're not lose your salvation by avoiding church. But you won't gain your salvation by attending church. Going to church won't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage will make you a car. Right? But having a relationship with God is primary. It's primary. I'm not up here trying to tell you you're going to lose your salvation or, or you're just way off in disobedience if you don't attend the local church. If you, if you have that mentality, you just don't know the power of the local church. Because having a relationship with God is primary, but having a relationship with fellow believers is very, very important. It's important for us to get around and, and fellowship with one another. And then people will say stuff like this. Well, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. That's about like telling your wife that you like her face, but you don't like her body. How's that going to work out for you? <laughs> Jimmy's like, oh my gosh, that's terrible, Jamie. It's terrible. What an analogy. My goodness. He's, he's praying right now for me. But the truth is, what is the church? Is it brick and mortar? Is the church brick and mortar? Are, are, we, are we sitting here today and saying, hey, we're building a new church up there. Oh, we're building a new church. No, according to the scriptures, the church is you and I. The church is not this building. This is just a gathering place. And thank God for large gathering places where we can all get together and fellowship and build a relationship. And the list could go on and on. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Some of you is like, when are you going to talk about Scripture? Right now. Here it is. Do you not know that you, say you, that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? You're the temple of God. You're the church. So why do we all need to come together? Because I want to tell you something. When one church is out there by itself, it's not too much, too powerful. But when two begins to get together and three and four and five and six, there's no telling how many sticks we'll pick up. Amen? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I better pray and get this show on the road. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this room. God, I just feel joy in this room, happiness. God, we're joyful to be in the church today. Thank you for this place as a body of believers 
this gathering place making a difference in our community. Touch us today. God, I can't preach this without you, but I can with you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We are the church. Look at your neighbor right now and say, we are the church. Come on. Come on. Just a gathering place. This is a gathering place. But let me tell you, the Word of God addresses Christians gathering together. Some of you that know your scripture, you know probably where I'm going. The writer of the book of Hebrews literally addresses this in Hebrews chapter 10. And he's literally giving the church some clear direction of how to continue to move forward in their faith. Go with me right quick to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 and 25. If you don't mind. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. Why should we go to church? Because we need to consider one another. In order to stir up love and good works. I want to tell you something. I could be full of hate and get around some good Christian people. And I'm no longer full of hate. Why? Because they've stirred up some love in me and good works. Verse 25 is where he brings it home in this text. And he says this. He says, not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves together. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. See, a lot of people, they go, I don't need church. And what they're doing when they say, I don't need church, they're forsaking the assembling of the brethren together. There's power when we come together. Of course, we have power in the name of Jesus when we're alone. But we have extraordinary, supernatural, crazy power when we all get together. Amen? And then it goes on to says, as in the manner of some... In other words, right here, Paul or whoever, they think the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Some scholars believe that, some scholars don't. It's kind of up in the air, but it sounds like a letter from Paul to me. But the author of this specific uh, book in the Bible was dealing with the very same thing that the church is still dealing with today. Some people you get around and say, ah, oh, it's not important to go to church, it's fine. Your relationship is just between you and him. You don't have to go to church. Well, we've already said we, we don't have to go to church to get saved, but we need church in our lives to keep us saved. Right? But he said, hey, don't do this as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, as it's getting closer and closer, keep gathering together, keep praying together, keep worshiping together, keep praising God together, keep doing what you have to do together, because together we're better than alone. So why church? Why not just stay at home and watch Joel Osteen or T.D. Jakes? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Right? Why not just stay at home and watch a good sermon on a TV and that's all fine and dandy and I do that a lot because, here's why, because we need one another. You need that person sitting beside you. You may not even know their name, but there may be a day that you need to lean on them for prayer or support. Church, people, is an act of worship. When we gather together, it's an act of worship. It's when we sing songs. It's when we hear His Word. It's when we begin to give and we practice obedience through our tithing and just through our life in general. 
Psalm chapter 122, verse 1, I love what it says. It says, I was glad. Somebody say glad. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad. There was something in me. It rose up in me. Hey, honey, you want to go to church today? I was glad when my husband finally said, not my husband, your husband. My husband finally said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 133, verse 1, it says this, Behold, in other words, let me get your attention just real quick. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell when together in unity. How good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. When we come together and we're unified in the body of Christ, I'm telling you, something happens. Something happens. Church, when we come, we're able to worship together. Church will enable you to meet like-minded people. People that are going through some of the same things that you're going through. Maybe people that are on the other side of the things that you have went through. Many people have found their spouse at the church. Come on. Right? There's some people that's found business partners at the church. There's divine connections that happen in the local church. Come on. How many single people are there in the room today? Just raise your hand if you're single. Just keep it up. Keep it up. All right? Look around. There she is. There she is right there. Look around. There he is. There he is. Look, I got one going. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 44. Listen to what the Bible says. Acts 2, 44. Now all who believed were together. We always say we want to Acts 2 church. Well, we want to Acts 2 church. Well, if we want to Acts 2 church, we better start showing up every week. We better, we better start uh, creating more life groups in homes. And, and the Bible says that they met, met from house to house daily. They are meeting from house to house. They're gathering together. They had all things in common. All things in common. They became one. See, that was what the first church was. They were one. That's why I'm not against denomination, you know, or anything like that. But that, that's what gets me about denominations. It splits the body of Christ up. And it's almost like this group can't meet with this group and this group can't fellowship with that group. We better wake up, church, because it's not going to be like that in heaven. There's not going to be a Presbyterian street and a Pentecostal street and a Baptist street and all this in heaven. We've got to come together in the name of Jesus. Acts 2, 46 and 47, it says this, So continuing daily with one accord in where? The temple. Daily, every day they're going to the temple, continuing to daily with one accord, not with ten different accords, right? Or a Honda accord. It says, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And listen to this, this text here. I highlighted it on purpose. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I'm telling you, when we get into the presence of God, when we begin to do what God wants us to do, God begins to add to His church. How do we get to where our churches grow? Let's all come together. 
Let's invite people to the building so that they can hear about the gospel and become the church. Another thing is this. Church will help you uh, uh, remain accountable to God. We all struggle with sin. Church helps us as we're struggling with sin to stay focused on the main thing and to keep the main thing the main thing. When you're at home by yourself, I'm telling you, you're more apt to fall off the wagon than when you're around a group of believers that are sitting there encouraging you, saying, come on, girl, you got to get back on here. You don't, I know you fell off, but it's okay. His grace is sufficient for you. Now get back up here and let's keep moving forward in Jesus' name. Accountability. Honestly, it's why I'm here today. Jesus saved my soul, April the 12th, the year 2000, in a Baptist, Southern Baptist tent revival with about 50 people in it. Which tells me it don't matter what denomination you are or how many people are there, Jesus can touch you. Amen. But I'm here today because the local church held me accountable. Jesus saved me, but the local church kept me saved. Turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, if you want to just look up the screen, let's read it together here. If one person falls, this is why you need accountability. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. When we begin to fall down as Christians because that's what happens in life. We live in a carnal world. When one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. This is the New Living Translation for those of you that want to know. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Why? Because you have no one there to help you. That's what the local church does. That's why it's important every week. I, I've told people before, they'll come up to me with, al with alcohol on their breath in church. And they'll say, man, I just kind of fell off the wagon. Man, I'm just, I'm just out there doing my thing. Wanted to come today. And you can smell the stench. You know what they're doing. And I'm like, dude, where you been? How long have you been out? And he said, man, two and a half months, three months, something like that. I don't know, man. And I, I, here's, here's what I told that specific gentleman about three or four weeks ago. I said, I don't care how high you are or how drunk you are. Would you please commit to one thing? Would you come to this church every Sunday morning? It's the presence of God that will cleanse you. That guy was shocked. How could a pastor look at somebody and say, if you're drunk or you're high, come to church? Because we are the church. That's why. Because we're not judgmental. Because we're here to help sick, hurting people. That's why. Listen to what it goes on to say. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Next verse. This is where it gets good. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. My goodness gracious, this is so good. We can stand back to back and conquer. Do you not know that the enemy is like a roaring lion prowling around seeking whom he may devour? And when somebody, which we're called sheep in the Bible, and when one sheep gets off and out of the flock, that's the one person that the enemy's going to attack first? Why? Because he knows he can't just run in to all of those sheep because he's going to get defeated. 
See, when you're in the midst of a bunch of sheep, the enemy is more apt to leave you alone. He may tempt you, he may get close to you, but he don't want to just crazy attack you because he knows the people around you will help you. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Isn't it amazing? Holds us accountable. It enables us to hear God's word. Well, I'll just flip open the TV. I'll just flip on the TV. Well, that's great. Here's probably what's going to happen 10 minutes in. You're going to lose your attention. Your attention spans probably about 7 to 10 minutes. You're just going to lose focus. And, and you're going to remember, oh, I've got to go put the meatloaf in the oven. And you're going to walk out of the room. And you're going to do your thing. You're going to come back. And you're missing God's word. I'm going to tell you something. There's probably not many people in this room today that's missed God's word. You're listening. You're attentive. Right? The church enables us to learn God's word with one another. It's a place of growth. It's a place of spiritual maturity. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It builds our faith, doesn't it? And not only that, church enables us to serve other people. I believe the people that say they don't need the local church are the most selfish people walking on the planet earth. Because you know who they're worried about? Themselves. By the end of this day, going through three services, there will be hundreds of people who have sacrificed time in their life to serve other people on volunteer teams at this church in one, in one day. Hundreds of people. And I'll go ahead and tell you, serving in the local church, and I'm about done, serving in the local church, I'm fixing to make a statement that's going to blow your mind. But it's true about personal, my, my personal expense, uh, experience. Serving in the local church brought full deliverance in my life of my sin. Full deliverance. Now, Jesus was, was the way. Jesus is what caused me to be delivered of a drug addiction. But there were some things in my life that I still had even after I gave my life to the Lord. It took me a good three or four months to overcome it. I'll tell you what caused me to overcome it. The accountability of serving in the local church. Some of you have heard my testimony before. But what rocked my world and changed my life is I thought I was going to be the guy that was going to go to all the parties and change my friends after I gave my life to the Lord. That was me. I found myself at a party in Crothersville, Missouri. Some of you don't even know where that's at. It's a little blob right, at, right, right outside of Tennessee. You cross over the Mississippi River Bridge and you're in Crothersville, Missouri. Right outside of Dyersburg, Tennessee. I found myself at a party in Crothersville, Missouri. And I had a beer in my hand. And I began to do things that I shouldn't have done. And I was a Christian. And a boy come up to me and he made one statement. And it rocked my world and it's changed my life. And he said, Jamie, I thought you played the drums at your church. There's a little unknown fact about me. I love playing the drums. And they said, hey, I thought you played the drums at your church. As soon as I heard that statement, I was done. 
serving in the local church held me that accountable and it brought full deliverance in my life I have not drank a beer or a, even a taste of anything since that day since that day I did not and that's been the year 2000 serving in the local church will help you we are the church so we can talk about the power of everything and I know it's got a little quiet in the room we can talk about the power of the Bible we can talk about the power of prayer we can talk about power of worship can we just talk about the power that lives on the inside of us the power of the local church how do we reach a community I'll tell you how together that's how how are we going to see more people come to the knowledge of Christ I'll tell you how together because you're going to start inviting your people and I'm going to start inviting my people and she's going to start inviting her people and he's going to start inviting his people and we're going to invite as many people as we can to come to Jesus Christ. Now that invitation may be in Walmart. That invitation may be in Kroger. That invitation may be in the Dollar Tree. Hallelujah. That may, I, don't, I don't know where that invitation is going to be given but we're going to reach this city one person at a time. Come on somebody. Why? Because we have the power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of us. And if it lives on the inside of us, look at all the power here today. Come on. Check it out. Look at what God is doing. Let me pray with you. Father, I thank you for a powerful church. I thank you for a church who who is longing to see lost people saved and save people freed and free people restored and restored people fulfilled in their life. That's our vision statement. It's who we are. It's what we do. There may be somebody in this room and you say, hey, look, I don't know if I have become part of the church yet. You know, some people ask me from time to time, and I give them several different answers, but they'll say, how do we join the church? And one of the statements that I say very often is this, have you ever given your life to Christ? And if they say, yeah, I say, well, you've joined the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Some of you may be sitting in this room today and you've never joined the church. You've never confessed Christ over your life. Or maybe you're sitting in this room or watching by video today and maybe you've joined the church and you've given your life to Christ but you've allowed the enemy to come in and rob you and to steal from you and to kill your spirit and, 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 and to destroy who you want to be in Christ. If that's you today and you need to repent of some sin in your life or you want to ask God to come in for the very first time, you just slip up your hand real quick? Slip up your hand. Don't be ashamed. Anybody? Yes. Anybody else? Nobody's looking around. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If that's you today and you say, hey, I need the church. I need to be the church right there. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? There's been a couple people that has raised their hand in this room today. Let me pray with you. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for forgiveness of my sin. Come and be the Lord of my life and use me from this day forward. Thank you for saving my soul and for becoming my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Look at me just for one minute. Yeah, give God a big hand clap. Here's what I want to say. Next weekend, 
we're starting a sermon series entitled The One. Say it with me. Say The One. For the whole month, we're going to be talking about The One and the power of The One and how we're going to reach The One. Next month will be full of vision. A lot of people have said, what's going on at the building? What's, what's happening? As you see, when you pulled in today, things are really beginning to change, right? It is so exciting right now and what's happening. The whole month, I'm going to be giving updates. It's a whole month focusing on where we've been as a church, where we're at as a, as a church, and where we're going as a church. This is not a sermon series that everybody in the Compassion Network, all other 22 churches outside of us is going to be doing. This is something that we are all or, or we are only doing ourselves. We're focusing on our campus this coming month. I need you to show up. Bring a friend with you. Because we're going to talk about the future of this ministry and where we're headed. And I want to tell you something. It is extremely bright in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen.